0: Well, hello, friends. We're in the book of uh, Romans, and uh, we're in chapter 6. And I want to review uh, a few verses uh, before we get into the the end of the chapter. Um, I want to review verses 11, 12, and 13 uh, to give us a little idea what the subject is and what we're discussing. Uh, the theme, as I see it, is uh, Romans 6 is telling us how to live a, victorious Christian life. You know, you can live a Christian life and not have a victorious Christian life. In other words, you'll not be able to really um, accomplish what God would have you accomplish because maybe there is a sin that uh, gives you a lot of trouble, a lot of temptation, and uh, you just can't get victory over it. Now, I know the Bible teaches that, uh, that faith is the victory, but there's some things we need to understand, and that's what Paul is dealing with here, in the matter of what I call personal sanctification. I believe there's positional sanctification. That's the sanctification of the spirit and soul when we get saved. God sets that aside uh, for eternity. But then we begin to live the Christian life, and some call it progressive sanctification, and it is progressive because it's something that we need to do daily. The word sanctification means to set apart. And so after we're saved, there's some things we've got to set ourselves apart from if we're to have a victorious Christian life. Now, in verse 11, the Apostle Paul said in chapter 6 of Romans, "...likewise reckon," and that word reckon can mean consider ye also yourselves to be dead indeed into sin." But alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So we learn that the believer must consider himself dead to sin. Now that's talking about a mindset. You know the Bible says, "Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus." So we've got to have a mindset uh, such that we consider ourselves dead to sin. Now you know dead people cannot sin, uh, and we've got to have a mindset that uh, sort of uh, you know, goes along with that. Dead people cannot sin, and if we realize that we, are, um, that we died with Christ and uh, that we arose from the dead with Christ, uh, then we can realize it's possible for us just to you know, consider ourselves dead to sin, but, he says, alive unto God. It's like uh, we've been uh, uh, buried, uh, died with Christ on the cross, and in a spiritual sense all believers have uh, but then when he raised from the grave we raised with him you can uh, study that in Colossians chapter 3 uh, verses 2 and 3 well the believer must consider himself dead into sin but alive into God verse 11 Then, and I'm just reviewing verses 12 and 13 has to do with the believer must control his or her body see the spirit and soul have been regenerated; they are they are perfected when we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. But we still live in a cursed body. The Bible says it's appointed man wants to die, and after that, the judgment. And so, this body is going to die. Uh, but if we're going to live a victorious Christian life, we must control our body because our body is going to want to do things that we should not do. In other words, the body might want uh, us to steal or to cuss or to commit some sexual sin, whatever. Well, look at verse 12, if you would, please. The Bible says, let not sin. Notice the word let, because this is the believer's responsibility if he or she is to have victory uh, over sin in their lives. Let not sin, therefore, reign or rule in your mortal body that you should obey it, Uh, in the lust thereof, that you should obey sin. So here we see that the Bible is is telling us that uh, uh, we're not to let sin rule us. Look, if you do not learn how to rule or reign over sin, sin will rule and reign over you. And the same goes for me uh but the bible says let not let not sin therefore reign or rule uh, in your mortal body don't let sin have its way and then it goes on to say there in in uh, verse uh, 13 neither Yield ye your members, your body parts, as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members, your body parts, as instruments of righteousness unto God. So two things there, if the believer's going to have victory uh, over sin in his or her Christian life. The believer must control their body by not letting sin rule you, Just refuse to let sin be in charge. Maybe you're tempted by some great sin. That sin will either rule you or you will rule over it is what the Apostle Paul is saying. And then he says on on top of that, you need to yield yield your body, uh, all parts of your body uh, to God's control you know, the Bible says "Present your bodies uh, as a living sacrifice. Uh, And so that's what we need to do. And we need to do this on a daily basis because we'll be tempted to sin on a daily basis. Um, That's, that's just a fact. And I mentioned uh, in the last session uh, to, to get victory on a daily basis, you've got to know what to avoid. There's some things uh, that you cannot do. There's some places you cannot go. There's some people you cannot run around with you've got to avoid them that doesn't mean that you don't like them you may like them but you just can't hang out with them you, you just you, look if you do you, you'll give in to sin sin will rule over you but then also you got to know what to adhere to what to stay away from and what to uh, uh, what to do uh, to give you victory and that of course is daily prayer daily time in the Bible and and uh, being at uh, a good Bible believing church when they have services all these things will strengthen you and so if you adhere to godly things and avoid ungodly things you'll have victory over sin in your life now uh, let's go to verses 14 and we're going to look uh, at uh, uh, verse 14 to the end of the chapter I'll go ahead and read all those verses Romans six fourteen for sin shall not have dominion over you for you are not under the law but under grace what then shall we sin because we are not under the law but under grace God forbid oh no know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey his servants you are to whom you obey whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness but God bethink that you were the servants of sin speaking to the believers in the Church at Rome specifically, but to me and to you and and to all believers. But you have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered into you. In other words, uh, when you learned that you were a sinner and that uh, you could be saved if you'd repent of your sin and receive Christ, that's the form of doctrine that, that you, in other words, you got saved. Verse 18, "...being then made free from sin, you became the servants of righteousness." You you again, your spirit and soul were made free from sin, but you still have to contend with sin in your body. All right? <laughs> Look, it's it's the body that is tempted. Now let's go to verse 19. Paul says, I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity or the weakness of your flesh. In other words, you're just a human. Uh, For as ye have yielded your members, servants, to uncleanness and to iniquity and to iniquity, even so now yield your members, servants, to righteousness and to holiness. For when you were the servants of sin, you were free from righteousness, what fruit had you then in those things whereof you are now ashamed for the end of those things is death in other words there's no benefit to it but now being made free from sin and become servants to God you have your fruit and the holiness and the end everlasting life for the wages of sin is death but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord verse 23 so I'm going to hit these real quickly first of all by becoming a slave to righteousness is how that you are able to uh, to to uh, conquer sin. You, you've got to realize that sin shall not have dominion over you. Look at verse 14 again. For sin shall not. Not maybe not, but shall not. You're, why? Because you're not under the law trying to keep the law of Moses anymore, but now you're under the liberty of grace. Law enslaves, but grace sets free. Now, does grace, uh, the fact that we are saved by grace, Uh, Does that mean that we can sin any way, anytime we want to? Um, That's what he deals with in verse 15 when he says, Well, then shall we sin because we're not under the law, but under grace? God forbid. No, he is saying uh, that because you're under grace uh, doesn't give you any license to sin. Okay. By the way, grace not only saves us the grace of God does, but the grace of God also teaches the believer how to live a victorious life, how to live godly. Listen to Titus chapter 2, and uh, let's look there at verse 11. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared unto all men. All men don't, of course, accept God's grace, but it's uh, they have the opportunity. Listen to verse 12, Titus 2.12, teaching us, this is what grace does, teaching us that that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly and righteously and godly in this present world. So, grace not only saves us, but grace uh, teaches us how to live a godly life. And uh, uh, we've just got to remember that uh, it's because of God's grace that we have, uh, we have been set free from the penalty of sin. That's justification. And uh, because of God's grace uh, we, we can be free from the power of sin that's sanctification and then eventually uh, eventually the believer will be set free from the presence of sin that's glorification so uh, if you're saved you've been justified uh, and if you're wise then you will be sanctified by doing what we've just taught uh, from Romans chapter 6 but the day will come when you will uh, raise from the dead according to the word of God and you'll be free from the very presence of sin and that's when we will be glorified now then uh, so uh, all those things uh, we see there in, in chapter uh, 6 and let's go back to chapter 6 I'm still in Titus but uh, in Romans chapter 6 and give me a moment now uh, and we're going to uh, we're going to take a look at um, at Romans chapter six and let's take a look at verse 17 the Bible says but God be thanked that you were the servants of sin speaking of the believers in the church at Rome but also to all believers but you have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered into you so believers are now to realize that they are not to be servants of sin anymore but to be servants of righteousness now other words we become a slave to living righteous. Okay? We used to be a slave to sin, but now we we are a slave to doing the right thing, living a righteous life. And then believers are to yield their bodies to righteousness. That's what it means when it says in uh, verse 18 and 19, being then made free from sin, you became the servants of righteousness. I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity or weakness of your flesh. For as you have yielded your uh, your members, your body, uh, body servants to uncleanness and to iniquity or lawlessness into iniquity even so now yield your members servants to righteousness and to holiness so you used to yield your body to do what it wanted to do to sin but now then you yield your body to righteousness You on a daily basis you say Lord you you take charge of my body Uh, you order my steps Um, I present my body Lord to you Holy Spirit you help me live the Christian life so believers are to yield their bodies to righteousness which means simply living right uh, to please God uh, and no longer yielding their bodies to the sin that tempts them. And then believers are to produce godly fruit. Notice what he says in verse 21. He says what fruit, Paul does, what fruit had ye then in those things whereof you are now ashamed. In other words, you didn't have any any fruit in those sins you were committing and now now that you're saved, you're ashamed of the way you used to live. That you know that makes sense. He says, "For the end of those things is death." In other words, there's no, there's there's no. Spiritual production. There's no benefit to uh, letting sin have its way in your life. Uh, he is saying here that believers rather uh, are to produce godly fruit. Ungodly, unholy fruit brings shame and death. Now, not only death to uh, to the person, you know, as far as physical, physically, uh, and of course, we all will die sometime, but uh, death to your testimony. Uh, death to your uh, your victory over sin in your life. So, verse twenty one is saying the ungodly, unholy fruit of sin will bring sin and, uh, as I said, death to your to your testimony. And then, uh, verse twenty two, he he says, uh, "But now being made free from sin and become servants to God, you have your fruit in the holiness and the end everlasting life." So. Here's what he's saying uh, here in in verse 22 is that godly, uh, godly holy fruit brings holy living and eternal life. So when you live godly, it'll produce godliness. It'll produce godly fruit. And uh, the end result will be you will live a holy life to please God. And, of course, you'll have eternal life. Now, please, we're not talking about salvation here. We're talking about living the Christian life. You don't live holy to be saved, but you ought to live holy if you are saved. I hope you see the difference because you cannot live holy enough to be saved. That's impossible. For all of sin and come short of the glory of God, for our righteousness is his filthy rags in the sight of God, we can never live good enough to be saved. We're saved by God's grace, and that is God's undeserved favor when we confess to God and repent of our sin, then God gives us his grace but then we must live the Christian life and if we want to be spiritually productive then we will live a holy life so we can produce godly fruit or produce things that are pleasing to God and at the same time we will have uh, we will have a a victory in our Christian life this fruit that he mentions here I believe is talking about the abundant life we can have the abundant life Jesus said uh, I came that you might have life and life more abundantly, but that's only possible when we yield our bodies to God on a daily basis and we consider ourselves dead to sin and, and alive unto God and uh, then the fruit that we produce uh, will give us victory in our Christian life. Not to be saved, but to be a, a, a victorious Christian. And uh, of course, I believe it, uh, this fruit also so, pertains to rewards that the believer can earn. And you can read uh, that in 1 Corinthians. Well, let's just do it. Let's just take the time. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. See, here's the problem that a lot of people have. They don't know the, the difference between salvation and rewards. Salvation, my friend, is free it God gives you salvation he saves you when you repent of your sins that uh, turn from your sin and turn to Christ all right and believe on christ um, and uh, and so that's salvation but rewards has to do with how you live the Christian life. Let me explain it to you. First Corinthians chapter 3. Let's begin at verse 11. The Apostle Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 3 verse 11, For other foundation can no man lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the foundation of the believer's life. We build our Christian life on Christ. He's the foundation. That's what it's saying here. Now, then, we see uh, the uh, the the Christian life. What we must do there. Look at uh, 1 Corinthians three, verse twelve. Now, if any man build upon this foundation, in other words, build upon Christ uh, as your Savior, uh, if he builds gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and stubble, every man's work. Notice these are works that the believer uh, that the believer does after they're saved. Every man work shall be made manifest or revealed for the day shall declare it that day is speaking of the judgment seat of Christ when all believers stand before God because it shall be revealed by fire and the fire shall try or test every man's work not his salvation not his grace but his work of what sort it is uh, is it uh, uh, is his works uh, gold silver and precious stones or is it wood hay and stubble uh, gold silver and precious stones will go through the fire but wood hand stubble be burned up in the fire now let's pick it up in verse 14 of 1 Corinthians 3 if any man's work abide or goes through the fire which he hath built thereon he shall receive a reward now uh, in my opinion uh, the works we do that will go through the fire that will be gold silver and precious stones are the works that we do now get this for the glory of God God. not for ourselves not to brag on ourselves or pat ourselves on the back but everything that we do in God's work must be for the glory of God that's what the bible says do all for uh, to the glory of god whatsoever you do do it all to the glory of god and now so he receive a reward verse 14 if any man's work shall be burned, that means things that you've worked for God, but you've done it for your glory, you've done it so the people will brag on you, it's all about you, well then that's wood, hay, and stubble. Uh, that's what he's referring to in verse 15. If any man's work shall be burned, self-glorification, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, Yes, so as by fire. In other words, he'll be saved, he'll go to heaven, or she'll go to heaven, but they won't have any, uh, they won't have anything to present to the Lord. They, they've they've not d- done any godly works for the glory of God. I know that sounds, you know, how you mean a person can go to heaven without uh, without doing anything uh, good or performing any good works. Uh, yes, because you go to heaven because of God's grace. Remember that. And uh, so here it's teaching about rewards that the Christian uh, can earn. See, we grace is free; rewards are earned. Unless you understand that, you're going to be confused about a lot of things in life. Now let's go back to our teaching in, <clears throat> excuse me, in the Book of Romans. As we notice the the last uh, uh, last verse there in Romans uh, chapter six, it says, "For the wages of sin is death, but." The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So, what is He saying here? He is saying, uh, He is saying this: that um, the penalty of sin. There, notice it says the wages of sin is death. The penalty of sin is physical death and spiritual death. You say spiritual death? I've never heard of that. Well, maybe you've never heard of the second death because the first death that we experience the first death is physical death. It's a point of end wants to die, and that's women and children as well wants to die, but after that's the judgment. So, there is an eternal death, a second death the Bible teaches, and I want to, I want to show that to you. It's found in Revelation chapter uh, 20, and uh, let's go to the last book of the Bible, and I'll show this to you. Revelation chapter 20, and if you look at verses 14 and 15, the Bible says, and, uh, and death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death, and whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire, which is the second death death. And then we see it also mentioned in Revelation 21 and verse 8. But the fearful and unbelieving, that's people who have not repented of their sin and received Christ as their Savior, they've not believed on Christ to save them. And the unbelieving and the abominable and the murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone which is the second death. Someone has said if you're Saved, you'll die once. But if you're not saved, you'll die twice. Uh, we have to understand that there is a penalty for the for sin, and Romans uh, six twenty three says the wages of sin is death both physically and spiritually, unless you get saved. That's why you should get saved. But then uh, the the good news is found in, in the last part of that verse 23, and it says, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So you will either receive eternal death in the lake of fire or eternal life because you have trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what it's saying. Uh, and uh, we see in in chapter 6 and verse 23 the payment or the penalty for sin but then we see the payment for sin and that payment is the Lord Jesus Christ Uh, you know someone has said we owed a debt we could not pay but Jesus paid the debt he did not owe And so uh, here we could not pay our sin debt. Only Christ, the perfect son of God, could do that. And the old song says Jesus paid it all. He didn't pay part of it. He paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, but he washed it white as snow. So uh, there you see uh, the end result. The penalty of sin is death, but the payment for sin is trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ as your savior and i hope you have uh, made that payment and you do that by repenting of your sin and receiving christ and believing upon him as your savior and uh, i would if you've not done that i would do that as soon as possible well we're going to stop here we will pick it up in chapter 7 in our next session